You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Last time we were together, I was uh, telling you guys about the the first time I ran a mile without stopping and how I had uh, set a goal to do that. And the, the very day I set a goal and I kind of made a plan, I actually was given the opportunity to run that mile that very day. Um, and a little while longer, several months later, uh, I got interested in running a 5K. And obviously, I'd never run a 5K before because I'd never run a mile without stopping before. Um and so I began to uh, be encouraged by some friends, and I really wanted to do this, to do something I'd never done before, uh, run a 5K, and uh, actually ended up running several 5Ks after that, uh, but the very first time. And I began to prepare, and uh, the day of the 5K, I had run two miles, uh, but built up to running two miles without stopping, which was huge for me, not being a runner, uh, being someone who is I'm definitely into physical fitness and athletics, but never really been like a runner um, and so to do this 5K was a challenge for me. I'd never run that, that far without stopping. And so my goal was to finish it without slowing down and walking, which I was encouraged it would be okay to slow down and walk as long as you finish. Um, and I remember about halfway through uh, this, this 5K, as I'm running along and I'm panting and I'm out of breath and just trying to pace myself on someone uh, who is a slow runner like myself... <laughs> Uh, there I saw AJ. AJ is one of our uh, instructors at the gym. He's one of our leaders, our fearless leaders. And he is there at the, kind of the halfway point, And he's cheering on everybody from our gym that kind of went like we had a team, like we were the team. Uh, uh, you know, it wasn't official or anything, but we were a family. We were a team competing in this 5K together. And here's AJ, and he's like, Steve, I see you. You got this. Keep going. Way to go. You're looking strong. And it gave me a boost. It gave me a boost that he was there halfway through cheering me on. And so I began the final stretch. And then when I got to the very final stretch, and I began to to head towards the finish line. And I could see the finish line. And by the way, something they don't tell you is when you get to see the finish line, it's way further away than what, what it looks like. Because when you see the finish line, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see the finish line. Dude, you still got a long way to run. And as I got closer, not close, but closer, there was Amy. Now, Amy is AJ's wife, and Amy's actually our fearless leader at the gym. And she was uh, the head instructor and kind of the head of the the, the, the staff and everything. And, and Amy was also our head cheerleader. And she was saying, Steve, you made it. You made it. Don't stop now. You got this. Sprint. You know how to sprint, sprint, and I did. I was exhausted. I felt like I was about to fall over. I was huffing and I was puffing. I was sweating. I knew I was going to be aching in my back and my legs. Probably couldn't even walk the rest of the day, which I pretty much didn't actually. And I I saw the finish line and I she 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 cheered me on to sprint and I sprinted, baby, and I sprinted hard and I finished strong and I was dead at the end of that thing. Now. When it was all over, our whole group, a whole group of friends, everyone that were from the same gym, we kind of, you know, considered ourselves a team. We all gathered together in our own winner's circle. It wasn't about who got first, second, or third place, or won a medal, or who placed at certain places in their age group and or, or their gender. That was all important, and everybody, everybody, uh, you know 
took care of, of, of their own stats and celebrating their personal wins and everything. But this was about us coming together. We all finished the strong. Some finished way before I did. Others walked most of the way. And yet we all came together and celebrated in this winter circle, cheering for each other, congratulating each other, saying, we are here for you. We are been here. We've been here for you. We will still continue to be here for you. How do you feel when others are cheering you on? It feels great, right? It, it feels like you want to keep running. It feels like you want to keep going, keep pursuing. Well, today we're going to wrap up the series Final Stretch, and, and all of us know what it is to be pursuing. Whatever you're pursuing in life, be it a career, a job, a degree, a relationship, peace, or balance, or whatever race you're in, Jesus gives the tools to keep moving forward towards your goals one step at a time. And so it's important for us to consider what does Jesus have to say for us, to us. And so we're going to look at the words of Jesus in Matthew uh, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. And this is Jesus teaching about the kingdom of heaven and what it looks like to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And it's in, this, in the context of this great discussion, this great time of teaching. Jesus is giving parables on life and on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And here we have in Matthew 25, beginning of verse 31, he begins to kind of wrap up this whole conversation. He says, but when the son of man comes in his glory, all, with all the angels with him, and, and son of man, by the way, is a term that Jesus used here. Uh, scholars will say he used to reference himself. It's actually a throwback to one of the prophets who used the term son of man in his writings. And it was kind of a term used to allude to the Messiah, like who, like, you know, so, 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 so this is Jesus kind of using a play on words and continuing the stories that he's telling. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality? When did we ever see you naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the de devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. They, then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And then he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go into eternal punishment, and the righteous will go into eternal life. Now, here's our big idea as we're going to dig into this uh, kind of story that Jesus gives. Uh, it's kind of almost of a prophecy this morning, uh, or to, as together, that he gives us. And the big idea is this. The real victory is in the relationships you build along the way. 
The real victory is in the relationships you build along the way. As you're pursuing, whatever you're pursuing, the real victory is in the relationships that you build along the way. So let's talk about a few things, kind of build on that uh, on that big idea, and then we'll come back around to that big idea and see how we can apply that to our lives and to our relationships today. So the first thing is this, and here's the like the joy of the social distancing and stay-at-home order when you are uh, giving a sermon from home and your dog goes crazy and starts barking. So here you go. Who you are matters to Jesus. Who you are matters to Jesus. Who are you? Right? That's that's the question. Like, who am I? It's like the, the big question. Are you, As you look in the mirror, do you see... Do you see someone you like? Do you see someone that likes you? Do you see someone who is attractive or ugly? Or you know, when you see when you look in the mirror, who do you see? Maybe you see someone who is young and has life ahead of them. Or maybe you look in the mirror and you see someone who has lived a lot of life and you see a lot of wrinkles and you see you see tiredness in your in the eyes of, as you look in the mirror and you wonder who am I? Still at this stage of life, you've lived a full life and you've you've gone up and down the road and 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 here you are and you still look in the mirror and say who am i or maybe we look in, in in our faces and in our face we see joy and happiness and but still we wonder who am i and even a child playing and just having a good time of life and not really pondering the great questions of life can still even as a child ponder and wonder who am i really and for myself you know, I wonder it too, and I think of you know an image of uh, of who am I, and I kind of see myself and my boys playing in the surf of the ocean, and I just think who am I, and that would be an image of like for me that's an image it captures who am I. That's probably one of our most difficult questions that we face in life. Who am I? So today we put people in categories all the time. And we tend to put ourselves in, in these categories as well. Rich or poor, black or white, conservative or liberal, boomer or millennial, which is like uh, must be the only two generations there are because boomer and millennial is all we ever hear about. I'm Generation X, and uh, we just are like am- amused by both you guys, boomers and millennials. But, but Jesus used the metaphor of animals to express the way he, he sees who we are. He says, your sheep are goats. Sheep or goats? Now, again, this is an ancient text. Jesus is using language that's very familiar to the ancient listener. And so for us, so sheep and goat might carry whole different ideas and connotations. So we need to kind of understand the difference between sheep and goats and then go from there. So sheep have fleece. Uh, it's very soft and, and kind of, you know, we think of sheep as, being, sheep as being fluffy. Goats have hair, and that hair is very coarse and it's, it's harsh. So that's a difference. Sheep, actually, they sound different. If you really take time to listen, sheep say ba and goats say ma. <laughs> sheep are considered to be stupid animals, and goats are actually considered to be smart animals. Sheep are skittish, and they run away, and goats are bold. They'll stand and fight. But just about the only good thing she, or thing that, that sheep do well, not the only thing, not, it's not the only good thing about a sheep, but the only thing they do really well is follow. Sheep follow well. And who we are matters. And who we are matters to Jesus. That's why he's using this this metaphor. He wants to be our shepherd and for us to be his sheep. Now, in our culture, you might get shamed for being a sheep. 
You might get shamed, like, oh, you're just a sheep. You're just a, I've heard it used. I've had it used towards me. Oh, you're just being a sheep. And we would even elevate the GOAT, because in our culture now, GOAT is an acronym for greatest of all time. And we'll say, oh, he's the GOAT, or she's the GOAT, and we really lift that, lift them up. Jesus says, well, that's flipping, that's flipping around the metaphor that he used. Because in ancient times, being a good follower was the only way to be a good leader. leader. And sheep follow, and goats go their own way. And, and, and even in the ancient Psalms, has a lot to say about this. The Psalms use this analogy of the shepherd and the sheep quite a bit. For instance, <coughs> excuse me, Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. He's the shepherd, we're His sheep. Which brings us back to the metaphor that Jesus uses, and back to our question. Sheep or goat, who am I? Now, in answering the question, we can pretty simply look at it this way. Sheep follow Jesus, goats go their own way. All right? So, who am I? Why would I want to be a sheep then? If goats get to go their own way, and really that's what we are all about in our culture, it seems like. Go your own way. You know, do what you will. Do what you want. As long as you don't hurt anybody else. Just do what you want. Be, do your own way. Why would I want to be a sheep? Because, this, because who, we are, who we are matters to Jesus. Who you are now matters to Jesus, and who you are now matters forever. There are people today who would say they believe in Jesus. And we may look at someone's life and say, well, they, they behave, looks like they behave like Jesus. They, have, they don't do this, this, and this, and they do this, this, and this. Well, that, they, they look like a good Christian to me. But Jesus doesn't just say, believe in me, and he doesn't just say, behave like me. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. And I believe that as we follow Jesus, the belief and the behavior will follow. Follow me, Jesus says. You can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. So following Jesus is the key. I used to have a t-shirt that I loved, and this t-shirt says, uh, I am changes who I am. And the I am, the top, the top I am, was all caps. And it's a reference to Exodus chapter 3 when, when God reveals his name to Moses, and it translates in English as I am, which means I exist or, or just simply be. You know, this is God's name. I am changes who I am. God cares who I am. He loves me for who I am. And that's the thing, guys. He loves you for who you are. But he loves me too much to leave me that way. The closer I get to him, the closer he, he, he wants me to be even closer. He loves me how I am, but he loves me too much to leave me this way. And he loves you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. And I'll be honest, without him, I am a goat. Very bluntly, plainly put. Not the goat. I'm a goat. So <laughs> who you are matters. And who you are determines what you do. And what you do matters. What you do matters to Jesus. Now, the first question I'm often asked when someone uh, I meet someone new is, so what do you do? Right? You've probably been asked that question yourself. When you meet someone and you got to get to know each other, so what do you do? I even find myself, I ask that question a lot because I'm interested in people and who they are and what they do. And I, how do I answer that question? Well, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Actually, I'm a church planter planting uh, a church. Uh, it's a, We're, we're uh, two and a half year old uh, congregation, a small church startup in Natchitoches, Louisiana. But uh, So what do you do? Pastor, church planter, what do you do? It doesn't really tell people much because most of the time people, may, and they kind of make a joke about it. Oh, it must be nice to only work one day a week. 
And of course, they were referring to preaching on Sunday. Uh, you know, that's that's what that's the only time you work if you're a pastor, apparently. So I think about you know what do I do? M- me, Steve, Steve Nelson, the pastor of Awakened Church, in Natchitoches, Louisiana. What do I do? Well, I pray. I pray a lot, and I and I hope you pray too. I hope you know I, you know people of prayer. Uh, you know, to be a person of prayer is 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 a good is a good thing. It's actually a godly thing, and we should be people of prayer. But I'm talking about is as as being a pastor, I block out days, uh, times of in certain days to pray specifically about uh, vision and and direction. I pray specifically for the everybody who calls uh, awaken their their church family. Probably even a few folks who don't call awaken their church family um, that I consider them part of the church family. So I pray. I lift them up daily and pray for for them. So I pray a lot. I read a lot and stu- not just read, but I read and study, which are two different things. And as I read and study, I do a lot of writing. Um, I spend a lot of time with people. And that's like one of the great things about being a pastor. For me, being an extrovert, people person, I'm a hugger. It's one of the most challenging things right now as we're dealing with the you know global pandemic of the COVID-19 virus. It's uh, spending time with people, and it's difficult. And I try to use social media as much as possible. But you know, it's, uh, speaking of social media, what else do I do? Well, I invite. I invite people all the time. Invite others into a relationship with Jesus. I invite others into conversation about faith. Invite others to to awaken church. Uh, to 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 invite others to worship. I do a lot of advertising and promoting. That's a you know church planter. As a pastor, I did some of that and I learned a bit about that. But as a church planter, you know these last few years, advertising and promoting has taken a lot of time and energy and raising funds. As a pastor, you are discipling uh, believers to understand. Tie, you know when it comes to finances and speaking of a church and finances. And I get it. Nobody likes pastors to talk about money, but it's 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 an important aspect of of faith. And you, as a pastor, want to see your 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 church members, your family, your church family grow as disciples of Jesus. And a part of discipling, a part of discipleship, is understanding the difference, uh, you know, the place money uh, money and finances has in your relationship with God. And a part of that is tithing to your local congregation. And that's a that's a that's a whole other sermon. It's actually a whole other. You know, session of many talks to to really understand what that's all about. But as a church planter, you're going beyond that, trying to help new and young Christians understanding things like tithing. But you also have to do fundraising, and I'm burnt out on fundraising. I got to tell you, I've been raising funds, trying to trying to be the chief fundraiser for Awakened Church. And again, we have some great sponsors. We have some great churches and and a, and a few individuals and families that that financially make it possible for us to do what we're doing in Natchitoches. Um, but it burns me out. This is not my a my ace game. It's not my sweet spot to be that fundraising. Communications is a huge part of of what I do. Strategize. I plan. I have do. I'm in constant evaluation of the ministries of the outreach of the uh, of, of how we're doing i'm constantly seeking evaluation of how i'm doing and and all this so what do you do oh yeah i, I also preach <laughs> i also bring this sermon um every week at awakened church so so while it's true here we go while it's true that what you do isn't necessarily who you are we can't discount that what you do matters what you you know you got to think about it for yourself how does what you do reflect who you are 
Jesus says here that he knows who we are based on what we do. He says he knows who we are based on what we do. The ones who finish strong feed the hungry, give thirst, give the thirsty a drink, invite the stranger, clothe the naked, care for the sick, and visit the prisoner. He is, you know, is he speaking literally or spiritually? I think yes, both. I can't look at Jesus' life and see what he did and who he loved and who he who he showed love to and not come to the conclusion that he means literally hands-on helping others. But I also have to remember that Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, is a spiritual kingdom. And with Jesus, everything is spiritual. So we meet these physical needs, but they're also a metaphor for meeting the, the, you know, the emotional and physical spiritual and and mental needs, uh, relational needs of others. Now, we have to look at this in the context of the Scripture and what it says about our righteousness. Because this is, you know, who you are matters, what you do matters, and we get this idea of these are the righteous ones, and this is what it, you know, to do this means you're righteous. So what we do does not, it's, it's, what we do do does not make us followers, okay? But it, but if we are followers, that impacts that impacts what we do. What we do doesn't make us a follower, but when we are Jesus followers, that impacts what we do. That's the bottom line. It the righteous are only righteous because they follow Jesus. I'm not righteous and you're not righteous because of any other thing except that we follow Jesus. The good works we do do not make us righteous, but because Jesus is changing who we are, making us righteous, we do good works. So at this point, our question might be, why does Jesus only make the sheep righteous and not the goats too, right? I can hear my boys. Dad, you know... How come Jesus doesn't just make you know make the goats and the sheep righteous and invite them all into heaven at the at the end of this story? Well, the thing is, spiritually speaking, at one time we were all goats. I was certainly a goat. I, you know, I some of us still have days and we are tough old goats. I know that I can I can be close to that myself. But what Jesus' desire and plan is that we desire to follow Him and be transformed as we follow. So, what is it that I do? There's all kinds of ways you could answer this. All I do is study. I got to get these finals. All I do is work and pay the bills. That's all I do. Work and pay the bills. Uh, what do I do? I, I pray. I read my Bible. I, you know, you might even answer that. You know, I'm pursuing my goals. I've got the finish line in sight and I'm on the final stretch. And Jesus reminds us that the real victory is in the relationships you build along the way. Who does he invite into the winner's circle? Those who have built those relationships by caring for others. So if you're still wondering who you are in Christ, take a look at what you do. Do you feed the hungry? Do you give a drink to the thirsty? Are you cheering someone else on? Literally and metaphorically. Who you are matters. And what you do matters. And where you are matters. Where you are matters to Jesus. A couple of years ago, not long after we had moved to Natchitoches, and we just kind of gotten gotten started pretty good with the Waken Church, we had uh, the Fourth of July fireworks, which is a great, great. Uh, usually, I don't know what it's going to be like this year with the social distancing and things, and I don't know how much things will change in the next couple of months. But um, it's a big, you know, thousands of people come to the riverbank uh, in downtown Natchitoches on the riverfront, and they have this beautiful fireworks display, and. Um, 
the, so this was the first time we went, and our this was a few years ago. So our, our boys were younger, and actually Niall was Niall was he has autism, and he was probably six, might have been seven, but I was probably six years old at this time. And um, when the fireworks were over, we had a group of us all from Awakened Church sitting together. You know, I stood up and turned down to because we had all been focused on the fireworks. We haven't been having that great conversation, so I went down and started talking to someone I hadn't seen uh, and hadn't really had a conversation with that 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 evening. And my wife stood up and started having a conversation with someone, and everybody stood up. And as everybody stood up, and these thousands of people stood up and started leaving, well, apparently Niall just followed the wrong mommy. And we didn't, you know, about a, you know, thirty seconds to a minute, not long. I noticed Nile wasn't wasn't there. I said, "Hey, where's Nile?" And and Shelley said, "I don't know." And so we all kind of went into panic mode. Some of us started went down the stairs and went to the the bottom, right on the riverfront, to start looking. Some went up the stairs to street level and started to look there on Front Street and in, in Natchitoches. There was a you know a couple of folks stayed right in that spot just in case. And you know it seemed like an eternity, but in reality it was only like like maybe six to eight minutes. And I started coming back around and came up the steps, you know, worried. I'm, you know, my eyes just darting everywhere, like focused, like I'm gonna I'm gonna find my boy. And I started back up the steps, and I saw there was there was my wife Shelly, and she had Niall, and she was she was kind of crying, and he wasn't crying, he wasn't shaking shaking at all, um, but she was. At least if he did, if he was, he wasn't showing it. And uh, what had happened was we all got up, you know, stood up, and he just assumed we were going up the stairs where we had parked a car up on street level and just walked beside someone he thought was mommy. Now, luckily, when they got to the top, they realized they had a, a little boy with them who wasn't theirs, and they just stayed right there and tried to. Get, I guess they tried to get him to, uh, you know, get some information about who he was and where his parents were and this kind of thing. And being autistic, it was probably a challenge. But luckily, it worked. You know, luckily, thankfully, praise God, it worked out. The thing is, where Niall was matters. Where my boys are, where my kids are, matter to me. Because as a parent, you love your kids, and it's and where they are matters, right? Well, this is how Jesus is saying this is this is important to understand about how much I love you. To those who are sheep, he says, come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. It's the winner's circle. So this brings up some questions about heaven and hell, right? Because he says to the sheep, come, and he says to the goats, go into this eternal torment, prepared, eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. So let's talk about it real quick. So if we could just draw us a picture based just on, just on what Jesus says in this story, heaven is is. Is first of all connection. It's connection. Jesus says, "Come." There's a connection to come. Whenever I say, "Hey, come," there's a connection that happens between us. Connection. Jesus says, "Come to those who are the righteous ones." Heaven is connection. Heaven is community. Heaven is community. Jesus says, "What you do for others, you do for me." There's a community here. What you do for others, community, you do for me. Heaven is creativity. Heaven is creativity. It's connection, community, creativity. Jesus says the righteous will go into eternal life. Now, what is life? Well, it's living. I mean, life is living, right? And what is living? I think living, if you just broke it down to what does it mean to be really living, it's creating and enjoy what's, enjoying what you create. It's creating and enjoying what you create. And so there's this creativity aspect built in here of, of having eternal life. 
Now, a lot of people don't believe in, in hell. They might believe in heaven, but they don't believe in a hell. And the reason being, I think, is is that so many have used the threat of hell as a scare tactic to attempt to get people into a religion. And others say they don't feel like, well, a loving God could send people to hell. So, so for just a moment, I want us to do something. Pause what we believe or what we feel and just give merit to what Jesus says about it in this story, in this passage. So if we're taking Jesus' words, we can see that hell is separation for the first thing. Hell is separation. Jesus says, what does he say? Away with you. Away with you. There's a separation here. Away with you. Hell is selfishness. Jesus says, you refuse to help the least of these. You refuse to help the least of these. There was a, there's a selfishness about you, and this is hell. And hell is suffering. And it's suffering like you've never experienced. Jesus says they'll go into eternal punishment. And it's described as an everlasting place of fire, which is intended to be the eternal state and place of Satan and all those who follow the way of Satan. Now, you know, when I think of, you know, friends and people I've known in my life who have said, you know, you know, well, they say if I don't straighten up, I'm going to go to hell. But you know, I'll just see all, that's where I'll see all my friends. We'll just have a big party. It'll be great all the time. Woohoo! And I think what they miss is that this part about it being eternal punishment and torment and, you know, an everlasting place of fire, as that's the metaphor for this. It's not a place that you want to go. There are no parties there, it's not a party whatsoever. And again, you might say, well, I just don't believe a loving God could do that. A loving God couldn't send someone to hell. Not if hell is really a place of eternal, excruciating torment. I just don't think you, a loving God wouldn't send someone to hell. And you know what I would say? I don't believe that either. Now, hold on before you turn this off and quit listening to me. When I say I don't believe in a loving God who sends someone to hell. Because I don't believe God sends people to hell. Jesus doesn't condemn anyone to hell. People, I believe hell is real. And I believe people send themselves there by rejecting the gift of salvation that Jesus offers to everyone. Jesus offers it to everyone, but if you reject it, he says, this is how you end up. Jesus took our hell for us so that we might be changed from goats to sheep. So what... So that we can be called the children of God. Now, probably the most well-known scripture in the Bible, arguably, is John 3.16. And it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, John 3.17 takes that further. And a lot of us love this verse. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It is not Jesus didn't come to condemn us to hell. But verse 18 goes on and explains it. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, God doesn't send you to hell. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a self-sending. Jesus doesn't condemn you to hell. It's a self-condemnation that happens here. He says, you stand, if you do not believe, you stand condemned already. Now, where you are matters to Jesus. Are you in the midst of a struggle? Are you struggling to stay focused? He knows where you are and he's with you. The truth about 
about what church is. Church is it's a family. It's not a building. It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a people. It's a family. And you know what? The church. We want you to know we're here for you too. I get it. it. There's been a lot of things that are done and said, and I still see it today that doesn't send that message. Hey, we are for you and we're with you. But I'm telling you, the true church of the living God, the true church of Jesus Christ, is for you and is with you. And where you are now matters. It matters to Jesus. It matters to us. And where you are forever matters even more. So the real victory in this, the real victory in whatever you're pursuing, is in the relationships you build along the way. And as you seek moving forward towards your goals, one step at a time, remember that Jesus gives you the tools to finish strong. And that main tool that he gives is love. Now take that tool and take your next step. What is your next step? Well, I would say, first of all, if you would be one and go, I'm totally a goat. I am not, I'm not, I'm not following Jesus. I'm not living this life. Then you know what? Make that your prayer right now. Jesus, I need you to be my savior. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want you to transform me as I start to follow you. There you go. Now, if you've made that step, here's another step you could take. Meet a real-time physical need of someone else. It may be a family member. It may be a neighbor. It may be a stranger. And again, during this time of, you know, we're in this season, social distancing, stay-at-home order. We People use the word quarantine, that we are all under this lockdown. And it's difficult. It's more difficult to do this. But I believe it's not impossible. So take that step and meet a real-time physical need of someone else. And another step I would really encourage you to do is use your social media to cheer on someone Use your social media or just or maybe just text them. You don't even have to do social media. Social media is great because everybody gets to see you cheering them on. But just maybe it's just a text message or an email or a phone call. If you want to go really old school, phone call. But use that what you have to cheer on somebody else. Lord, we love you. We thank you for an opportunity to gather today in your name. And to dig into these ancient scriptures, the ancient words of, of Jesus that bring us life and bring us challenge and bring us to, uh, to, to awaken us. And thank you for awakening us today uh, to live according to your word. And Jesus, you are the word of God. You are the subject. And so we want to follow you. And we want to be more like you in every moment. And we just confess to you right now that we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit, to do that in us and through us. Lord, we we read this story, and we want to be sheep. We, you know, and again, that's in our culture. It's it's hard to say I want to be a sheep because we get shamed for sheep like behavior. But Lord, help us to understand that you are speaking to us. That we need to be followers of you in your way, and that we would be someone who cares about others and loves others. Remind us, Lord, as we pursue whatever it is we're pursuing, that the real victory is in the relationships we build along the way. And so we thank you for those relationships. We pray that you would continue to grow those relationships. And Lord, we're praying today for opportunities to build more relationships to give you glory and to make you famous. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.